Welcome to the Shaping Champions podcast, a platform for discussion and exploration into what it takes to be a champion in life. We speak to athletes, entertainers, business people, and everyone in between about their journey and experiences, discovering the key ingredients needed to become successful at whatever it is you do. Please do subscribe to us at wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Shaping Champions Podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Shaping Champions Podcast. My name is Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, one half of the Shaping Champions Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome you back to another episode of the Shaping Champions Podcast. And with me as ever, you know who it is. It's the one, the only, Jimmy Davis. Jimmy, how you doing? <laughs> what an intro, man. You better get to realise the one, the only. Put it on all the letters you send me, all the emails, all the texts, the WhatsApps, everything. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, ecstatic to be here as usual. Um, you know, we're joined by a, a really interesting and exciting guest this week, and I just can't wait to, to dive in and get into it, man. So, why don't you yeah, tell no, us what we've got coming up, Mash? Yeah, no doubt. And um, like yourself, um, excited to, to have this guest on. I've known him for quite some time now. And as ever with people that you kind of know in life, you forget how you ever met them, how you ever were introduced to them in the first place. Um, you just start talking. And before you know it, you you, you don't even, you don't know the background to, to to how you first met. But I'm delighted to um, introduce to the audience today the director of programs at ACE. And of course, some people will immediately be like, "ACE, talk to us about ACE." But we'll get into that. It is, of course, Mr. Chevy Green. I'm delighted to bring him onto the show. Chevy, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Mash. Jimmy, always a pleasure as well. Um, excited to, to see what Shaping Champions has in store for me. Um, yeah, feeling feeling good. <laughs> and as I, as I kind of said at the top of the show, Director of Programmes at ACE, and we'll chop that up in a minute. We'll break that down for people listening. I mean, I'm fairly certain that lots of people listening will already know, but there'll be lots of people also listening being like, oh, let me let's talk to me about this. But First things first, um, Chevy, it's the first thing we ask everybody who comes on the show. Um, obviously, it's a Shaping Champions podcast. And what I'd like you to just kind of tell us, without too much pressure, what makes a champion, according to you, based on all your experience in the fields that you've worked in, what do you define as the characteristics, the key fundamentals of a champion? Yeah, so brilliant question. You know, not not an easy one. You didn't let me uh, come in and face a, a nice long hop to start off with. Give me a nice, <laughs> nice juicy in-swing in Yorker. Um, you know, shaping champions. Uh, what is it? What makes a champion for me? Um, definitely, you've got to have a, a strong character in terms of your mindset, your discipline, and kind of your focus to your craft, whatever that craft may be. Um, but a big thing for me, alongside of that, having alongside that focus. Um, is confidence. You know, you've got to have a lot of self-belief. Um, you've got to have a lot of self-courage because ultimately, even as a champion, you're still going to fail more, more times than you succeed. You know, you're going to go through many hard parts of whatever you're doing, whether you're a student studying for an exam, you know, you've got to go through different uh, revision papers and stuff like that. You know, in my field of cricket, you know, if you're a batter, you're likely to get out more times than you get a, get some good scores. So you've got to go through some of that hard graft and have that strong mentality to believe in yourself, um, especially, you know, in the space of, you know, what I do now a lot with ACE is, you know, it's a talent ID program. So we're mm. constantly, there's a pressure of, from a coaching side, from a management side, from a parent side, there's a lot of pressure on these young people to, to perform and succeed. And, you know, some coaches might not um, believe in you. They might not feel that you're good enough or they might feel, actually, you're not an opener. You've got a bat low in your door. But as long as you have that self-belief um, matched with that a strong mindset, and, and I think it's important to be patient. You know, everyone, the beauty of people, everyone moves at their own kind of pace and your journey is your journey. So... There's no point trying to copy others' journeys. You know, it's your specific journey um, to persevere with. And, um, yeah, having that patience, the confidence and a strong kind of mindset to keep going um, is, is a key thing for me to, to being a champion. Love that answer, Sherry. Love that. that I mean that. I'm not that. Those aren't just empty words. And um, it's interesting because, obviously, like I say, you work with Ace. And I, I do kind of want you to break it down for people. I, I won't do it for you. 
But when you do break it down, the first thing I want you to go into after that is, did you or do you, given the uniqueness of what Ace is and given the kind of, and we can't get into it without looking at the kind of social context, the historical context and so on and so forth, but given the unique nature of Ace, do you feel a kind of pressure to develop talent given the heavy weight kind of hanging over the importance of the program? Yeah, so I guess to get into to ACE, um, you know, hopefully many people do know what it is, but for those that don't know, you know, ACE stands for African Caribbean Engagement. It's a talent ID cricket program that's trying to kind of encourage and re-inspire a lost generation, you know, I think mm. it's safe to say from predominantly the Black British community um, for cricketers. Um, it's... It's juniors. We, we start at nine. Um, we go up to 14 as our juniors and our seniors go from 15 to 22. Um, so it's uh, we, 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 we started this program, you know, all credit to Ebony Rainford Brent. She's a champion in her own right. You know what? She succeeded mm. being the first black woman to play cricket for England. And, you know, what was highlighted was there was a 75 percent decline, you know, over the last you know now 27 years um, since we since we started ACE. Um, from the Black British playing community in the professional game, that sat at 1%. Um, so that was, I guess, our immediate um, uh, direction to go. So try and address that. How can we get more young people um, from African-Caribbean backgrounds? Um, because there's a strong heritage, there's a strong lineage there um, that has kind of, for various different reasons um, that we could go into, whether that is from a, a cricketing side, a social side of where there has been a, a lost group of players, um, young boys and girls playing the game, um, to to get into the performance side. But then we looked at the numbers and the recreational side was even worse. So it wasn't even 1%. So it was a case of, you know, we didn't have a base to build from. So it was like, okay, how do we create a base, but still always with a talent ID focus. And I think that's mm. one of the things that we like to try and at times separate ourselves from other charities that do a lot of similar work. Um, because a lot of, a lot of charities, it's about, People just taking part and having a good time and, you know, um, that mass participation element to it, whether that is um, from a predominantly, if I'm generalising now, from a diverse communities background, from a women and girls perspective, a disability, there seems to be that sometimes a ceiling of where that performance level can go. You know, as a charity, it's kind of just helping people. And, you know, um, what we try to do is try and make sure our young players, our young scholars, as we call them, can get to the next level of what they want to do. And, you know, everyone has a has a goal of wanting to uh, become a, a professional cricketer. Um, they want to get to that next stage. They have those aspirations. And for us, it's how we support that. Um, and also being managing their expectations with that, managing their parents' expectations with that, um, because it's not always going to be a, a plain sailing road to the top. And it's just about how we support them. And, you know, uh, I grew up wanting to to play cricket for, for England like a West Indian, because at the time West Indies were a lot better than England. Now I probably just say I just want to play for England uh, <laughs> as times have changed. But, um, you know, I would say I'm a failed cricketer that didn't make it in the performance. Or, but I've been able to shape a career professionally in a sport that I love and being able to give back. So it's just opening up other opportunities and other thought processes, not just outside or from the playing side, that one day, hopefully, um, who knows if Ace is here in 10 years to come, 20 years to come, that maybe someone from our program is running the show one day. Who knows? Um, it's just trying to open up people's eyes and mindsets and, you know, all what we're doing here in the podcast you know, people do this professionally in, in the sports realm, you know, it's, it's showing that the young people that we're working with, they too can have, a, can have an aspiration to be doing broadcasting and podcasting mm. and, you know, be involved in the media because, you know, a lot of our young people, um, they're heavily influenced and they're really good on social media. It's just trying to explain to them as well. You can be... Um, you can excel and be a champion in the social media front and follow a professional sports team all around the world, up and down the country, and still have that shared and lived experiences that you might have wanted as a player but you can still get that gratification off the field too so yeah it, at the foremost it's a talent id program so there, there is pressure <laughs> there can be pressure on us as a staff to um produce players but um a lot of time i say to to people when they ask me you know um when's your next what, what player is going to be your first contracted player you know you know you've been running you know two three years now is there a pro contract on the horizon you know mm. one day that definitely will I, I'm, I'm thankful and uh and 
I'm confident in our team and our, our charity that we'll be able to produce some first-class cricketers one day. We've got a lot of our young people going into the county pathway, so we've done our part and like, hopefully the counties will do their part to get them to that next level. But at the same time, what I say back to people is there's some counties that have been established for over 150 years and never produced a black British player. So, um, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to wait for Ace to 150 years, but, you know, here's the context here, you know, of, you know, we're trying to do something um, arguably that hasn't been done successfully for a sustained period of time. Just before Jimmy's about to come in, but just before he does, and I have a I have a habit of stealing something that Jimmy's about to say. So I don't even know. I don't even know <laughs> what Jimmy's about to ask. <laughs> the mind reading stuff you got going on, yeah. <laughs> Great minds, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But just off the back of something you said there, how hard is it to build something from the ground up. Do you, do, do, do you see what I mean? So like, yeah, okay, fine. You've been going three years, but you had to start from not nothing, but you, you, you didn't, okay. Yes, you may have had some talented uh, children, youth, et cetera, that came through in that first cohort, but the structures around it, you had to go from scratch. It wasn't like you had an established um program that had you could say right this has been working and we're gonna go with this it was all kind of well maybe i'm wrong but there would have been an element of trial and error about that so how how do you put the fundamentals in place to know that we can take these potential champions to the top it's that's such a poignant question because um you know tonight we actually got our academy training sessions that are back on today's first session back and just before I came up here we was just talking reviewing a bit of the season with some of them um, but at the end as I, I left my my parting message was I was just unbelievably proud of there's five of the kids that have now graduated from the junior program into our senior program now just because of their ages they've come up into that into the older group and they were there from the very beginning as well I mean, the very beginning of their journey and I mentioned this to them and to the group was you know yes we've got some funding for Scotland to be there three years but there was nothing really in place so um, kind of got given a lot of money on a whim to try and do a program that actually who knew that we'd still be here in three years who mm. knew what some of the, the successes that we have had um, and a lot of the learnings we're taking from this period I didn't know but I go back to the, the first question you you asked me about what makes a champion um, and I'll look within you know I have a lot of self-belief and a lot of self-confidence in what I can do um, and you draw on your experiences and prior to ACE I worked for Surrey for just over seven years in various different roles so from a community coach to a development officer to a manager um, where I manage women and girls disability in diverse communities and then ACE came along so all I did with I guess a blank a blank sheet of paper was go back to, okay, the programs that I've run in the past, what successes did I have? Or how did that look like? What can I take from there? Um, mm. You know, what, what things, uh, what experience can I take? Well, that didn't really go well there. So I'm not going to um, maybe go down that route, but I just tried to believe in myself of what the knowledge I had and how in a similar um, areas of work that I worked in, I could relate it to, um, to what we was doing with Ace and, you know, all credit to, to her. And I don't say this lightly, you know, to, to Ebony, like I owe Ebony a lot because there's one thing having self-belief in your own self, but for someone to believe in you to, because I'm ultimately bringing her vision and her dream to life. So she's mm. trusting in me, you know, and she's believed in me. So if, if I didn't know that she fully believed that I could do it and gave me that confidence to do it, I don't know if I would have been as so short at, yeah, we're going to go down this route. I want to build uh, schools programs, community programs, as well as supporting the academy. The academy needs to look this kind of way. We need to get a certain amount of cultures in. If we're doing performance, we need the right performance parameters in. Well, what we do at uh, a county level, we need that in our level. You know, what we, you know, it's just having that person to believe in you and have that confidence in you um, was massive for me. So I knew even if we went down a path and it didn't work, not saying I was going to um, get in trouble for it or whatever, but it was a case of, okay, why didn't that work? Let's try something else. It was never like, no, no, let's not do that. It was okay. Cause 
you know, uh, to build something <laughs> through the first, the first year was across COVID with three different lockdown spells. So you get going, you stop, <laughs> you get going again, you stop, you get going, you stop. And, you know, so some of the things that we've been able to do, um, it still blows, like blows my mind from, you know, where we was just to be a Surrey program delivering in Lambeth and then extending to, to Croydon and Southwark, and then now to be delivering across six cities nationally um, is it, it, it just makes me proud. But it's I wouldn't have been able to do that. Is it's all one good thing me having the confidence in myself. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the people above me believing in me too. Mm. And and I think it's clear to see Chevy why Ebony's put her trust in you and giving you this role and responsibility to to take it forward and to carry it forward because um you know I, I'm just getting a sense that you are the man for the job and I think what you're doing it seems incredibly bold like much needed and I imagine very very challenging as well so my first question is around like any resistance that you've come up against so far and where you start with breaking down the barriers in the world of cricket which to some in this country is seen as an upper class sport you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How was that kind? Of yeah. No, there, there, there is resistance. The resistance. I knew is is. I knew once Ace kind of, and you got to know with Ebony's platform being a broadcaster. So for those that don't know, Ebony, you know, a broadcaster, Sky Sports, uh, BBC, loads of different channels, and we're, so she's very prominent in that cricket world. So automatically that puts. Um, you know, a target on your back <laughs> for for you know people are automatically thinking, okay. They've got this program. What's going to happen? You know, are they going to be able to do it? And, you know, there's people within cricket who I've worked with, people that I might have um, classed as, as friends. Um, I've done some successful programs with in the past. Uh, colleagues that doubted, oh, can how, how's Chef going to be able to do that? How's Ebony going to do that? How are they going to find the time to do it? And just relating to what I just said previously, it is we both had a, a determination and courage to make it work and work for the right reasons, you know. And um, we don't always we don't always agree. We don't always uh, get along at times. Um, but that that healthy um, check and challenge for the both of us um, and being honest with that. Like there's times where I might have said, "Ebs, I'm not sure that going that route is going to work." Um, and she said, "Yeah, yeah, it will." And then you know I've had to put my hands up and say, "No, it, it worked." And vice versa. There's times where she's come to me and said, mm, Chev, maybe that's not the approach we need to do. And I said, no, just trust me. Like, it, it can do something. I think we've got something here. And then, you know, we have that honest thing when she'll say, yeah, Chev, you, you were right. So uh, there's, there's always going to be resistance. And um, it's quite funny. And, you know, sometimes people don't like these kind of parts of the deep where the conversation where I'm going to take it to. Um, because um, all I, when people challenge me is like, oh, why is Ace getting the money? Or what's the program about? What's it trying to do? Oh, I don't think it's right. Or X, Y, and Z. And, and always used to come back to was, well, I'm trying to run a, a program for an underrepresented group um, that has been neglected for cricket as a community for over 30 years. Um, I'm just trying to re-inspire that. Where the areas that I'm going to do it, there was no real science to what we did. We just looked at the census data and we looked at the highest black populated boroughs in London and outside of London. But what correlated with that was high deprivation, lower socioeconomic. So whether you was white, black or brown, your access to cricket was limited. And, you know, that's going to the, the class divide that is within cricket. So, yes, there is a a race divide at times, but the class divide is massive within cricket. As you mentioned there, cricket is perceived as an upper-class sport um, and it's trying to break those down, break those barriers. And by having a targeted talent ID program, that's kind of how we did and went about it with our approach. And and even to to show you how targeted it was, I'll, I'll use a borough like Croydon. I know Croydon has a borough very well in South London, uh, born and raised there. Um, and when we started looking at things, so Croydon as a borough is probably the fourth or fifth black uh, highest black populated borough across London. Um, was there cricket? You could just say, yes, tick. But it's like breaking down where there's cricket. So South Croydon, lots of green space, lots of cricket clubs, lots of private schools, um, generalising predominantly white middle class and above as a demographic, loads of cricket going on. North of the borough, less green space, less cricket clubs, um, demographics now. 
We're talking African Caribbean, South Asian, white working class, Eastern European, just a, a mix of you know everyone. And there was hardly no cricket provision there. So that's how we kind of try to break those barriers. And you know, for us, we're trying to build a program. So we have to go where people are. So we have to go to the young people. We have to target specific schools and look to engage that way. Um, and you know, I'm I, one of the things that I'm quite proud of to say is, you know, we do that nationally. How we break down there as you go into that's kind of the model that we kind of look to go that minuscule targeted approach. Um, and that's enabled us to 78% of the schools that we've gone into since delivering in April, 2021, I've never had cricket before, which which blew my mind. When we did a bit of independent research, 78% of the schools that we've gone into nationally have never had cricket before. And that just shows you where that big class divide is. Um, so yes, there's some fantastic work being done by other cricketing charities, other cricketing boards, but at times it's the easy way to go to just, you know, continue to, to do, if you use quite an example, just continue to be south of the borough because there's easy access there. But what about all those kids north of the borough? Um, and you started seeing that across the way and nationally in all the different areas we've gone into. So um, it's that's kind of what we do in terms of how we break it down and we put like a, a community hub element to it um, in those like located areas. We work with schools predominantly where they might be in a cluster or part of an academy. Um, so, uh, you know, there's different academies across London. There's Harris's, there's a windmill cluster. They're all like, got, you know, pockets of schools all under one banner. And then we, you know, service. Most kids love competition. So how do we bring out that talent side of things is through competition. Um, some of the other things that we've done is just thinking differently. How, how else can we encourage kids? Uh, we had a, we've got a golden ticket. Took from Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, a golden ticket. Our coaches are in schools, see a kid with talent. Um, they give him this golden ticket to come to the community obsession or to an academy session. And then other kids say, oh, how do I get a golden ticket? Because when the kids come to our community hubs to make them feel part of it, we give them an ACE t-shirt, we give them a wristband, we make them feel part of a group. So we're just creating a, a different kind of culture and environment to what we wanna what we wanna get from our program. And yeah, we put our program in high black populated um, communities because that's our target. But we also know the, the Asian kids, the white kids, you know, other kids from different ethnicities also come to our sessions and benefit at the same time. You know, you know, people ask me, oh, you're only working with, you know, black kids. And, and I try to say to them, you know, the, the, we're talking about African-Caribbean heritage. You know, the, the, Africa's a big continent. The Caribbean's a big continent. You know, on that continent, there's so many different languages that are spoken, faiths that are followed, um, skin tones that are there, you know. So it's not just about um, what people look like because, um when you're from a particular area, um, the relatability, the lived experiences make such a big difference. That cultural side of things is huge, you know. So, you know, there's there's white kids and black kids that can relate better than each other than um, from certain class backgrounds than a white and white child and a black and black child in certain class environments. So um, it's key to get those cultural elements and be aware of it and just making sure that everyone is a part of it and everyone's getting opportunity because often a lot of those young people in those areas, they get told, or you get told it gets perpetuated as a message as those kids don't like cricket. How can you like something if you never had an opportunity to play? So we're giving them an opportunity to like it or don't like it. And some will like it and others will still say cricket's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, <laughs> I, 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 let me, let me, let me chuck a bouncer at you right now. Oh, so <clears throat> I haven't got my helmet on. <laughs> Um, okay, so football, um, Jimmy and I are, I would say, well, I'd, I'd say probably fo fo football and cricket equal with me, but certainly Jimmy and I are massive football fans as well. I don't know. If, are you Chevy, actually? Massive football okay, fans. Okay, there you go. So we're all massive we're football still, fans. Still play. That's my release. You know, I work in cricket <laughs> too many days of the week and football allows me to play and maybe kick the odd person and get away with it. <laughs> so needless to say, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stereotype here. I'm going to mm -hmm. generalize here, but I'm intrigued to see how you respond to it. Is it easier to shape a champion or take someone to the top of a sport in football? Just use I'm just using football than it would be in cricket. So let's say now you talent ID someone who just has the raw skill set, but then we have to come into the socioeconomic aspects of cricket, the bat, the equipment. The the, the 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 travel the, the the your nearest cricket club might not be round the corner for example um just coming up through the game and I'll give you a little anecdote 
I'll always remember the first time I played cricket at school, every, I was at a grammar school, right, in um, South East London, some say Kent. And, <laughs> and um, I'll always remember when I played the first game for the school, or maybe it was like a trial game, every one of those boys brought their own bat to school, their own cup to school, their own pads to school. And I felt ashamed, Chevy, because, yeah, I was at a grammar school, but that was just because I was clever. I didn't come from a wealthy family, yeah. so I bought nothing. I didn't have a bat. I didn't have no pads. I, when I found out I had to share someone's cup, my, my world was over. <laughs> they, they made you share? <laughs> I, remember okay. thinking, <laughs> I remember thinking, Chevy, this game ain't for me because I can't afford it. Do, 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 do you see what I mean? So I'm just wondering yeah. how the socioeconomic comes into it. And is that a barrier, a fun, a significant barrier to shaping an elite person or a champion, I should say? Yeah, a very, very loaded question. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to give it some <laughs> some, some response. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, 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 the economic value to play cricket is, is expensive, especially nowadays as well. You know, some of the bats are going for you know, 600 pounds. For some people, that's rent. So you're asking a family, can you pay £600 for just a cricket bat? And if you've got two children, that's, you know, £1,200, you know, and, and that's just the bat, you know, let alone the pads and the gloves. And, you know, so um, for us, like, in terms of, like, the best way I can answer that from how we try to to prevent those kind of barriers with ACEs, you know, we're fortunate that the funding that we have enables us to provide equipment for players if they need it, provide travel expenses, Um you know, we're just trying to work out if there's any, oh, why can't you play? Oh, because my mum can't take me, my dad can't take me or can't get the bus, um, so I'm not going to play. What about if we paid for an Uber? Okay, I can play. All right, well, let's do that. You know, what? Like, let's, whatever barriers are, oh, let's reduce it where we can. Oh, I can't get to here. Okay, well, you know that um, this player lives five minutes away from you and you've got a close relationship. They're more than happy to, to bring you to the game and bring you home. You know, are both, are both parents set, so happy? Okay, cool. We can go down that route. Um, equipment. What do you need? Oh, I need new gloves or pads. And, you know, uh, but I think it's just having the openness within cricket. And sometimes cricket doesn't have that as a, a program, but we've been quite fortunate to create that as a program to know our parents can come to us because sometimes there's a pride element. You know, mm. and there has been times where, you know, sometimes parents might have come to me or some of the other coaches after the fact, but we've known for the next time, okay, how do we stop that? You know, football, you know, football boots, you know, are, are cheaper than the, 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 the equipment that you would have to do in cricket. But some of these boots are crazy. So even then there'll be managing expectations of, you know, you're, you're playing at this level, young boy, girl, you play at this level. You don't need those 200 pound boots that you see them wearing in the premiership. You know, let's go for this one. Um, but to say, is it easier? You know, football gets a lot of a lot of stick, and I love football. So, um, it, football gets a lot of stick to say, oh, they're just kicking a ball around and they're running. But how many people could go out there and put a pinpoint sixty-yard pass just like that? You know, the amount of players that football is cutthroat. The amount of people that love and play football. Um, that the percentage to become a professional in football, like, to become a professional in any sport is, is very hard. But in mm. football, just the, the sheer amount of players that are trying to get in and that, that academies take on and um, the level that you have to be, you know, um, you have to give credit where it's due. You know, there's there's times where people watch that matches. Uh, Michelle, I know you're a big, a big fan of Bromley, you know, and Bromley, you know, Bromley plays at a certain step level, but even then, even to to do some of the things that some of those players can do, because the next level is to go into like League Two and stuff like that, into the conference and those kind of positions, you still have to be playing at a high level. And it's easy to be uh, armchair fans in football and say, oh, they could, I could do that or this, that and the other. So, you know, to play professionally in any sport, you're going to have to have certain characteristics that are going to ride you to the top. You're going to have to have a sound technique and whatever that, that looks like as, as a base level. Um, you're going to have to have a few other exceptional things to your game too. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's. I don't know if I can say which is which is harder. But in terms of the socioeconomic value, you know, cricket is a much more expensive sport, and it can be an intimidating sport. Like you know, I've, I've, what your story isn't the first time I've heard that. You know. Um, a young kid going to particularly a quick a cricket club um, without any equipment, turning up, being told to go down there because someone saw them at a school or somewhere else and you've got a bit of talent. And that same experience of maybe not even having the whites, the, the white clothes that, you know, mm -hmm. that everyone yeah, wears yeah. and the equipment and, and, and 
kids aren't easy in some places. You know, kids will take the mick out of, oh, you've got that back. Oh, you've got, what, what boots are those? Or, you know, what kit is this? You know, and some kids are, can be a bit unruly in that aspect to make it uncomfortable and they know they're doing it. Um, so you have to have a lot of resilience. If you're coming from a particular background, if you don't necessarily have that family support, um, because a lot of the time to get into cricket, you have to, your family's got you into it. I didn't have a choice. My dad played, my uncle played, my cousins played, my brother played, granddad played. I come from a cricket family. I didn't have a, a choice not to, to to follow cricket. And, you know, I just ended up enjoying and liking it. But, you know, I went to a state school um, all my life. Um, our, our secondary school, I only ended up playing cricket because there was three of us that played at a club outside, but we didn't learn cricket in school. You know, that wasn't given to us. Like, we're, say, at a grammar school or private school, you know, where cricket is there all the time, you're around it. So even if you didn't have that family experience, you could get to be around it and fall in love with it. Whereas, you know, if you go to a state school, and, and I go back to the point I was making of where your school may be um, in that particular parts of the boroughs in, in particular areas where there is a lower socioeconomic high deprivation, where cricket hasn't even gone to your school, you're likely to go and make it out of that to play is, is unheard of. So, you know, um, it has to be more accessible in terms of the visibility of it. You know, how can the the other side of things, a lot of kids are, they gravitate to to YouTube and, you know, they want things quick. You know, how, how can cricket be be played on a quicker platform for people to just access it and young people to just see it and be like, actually, this looks all right, you know? And, you know, it's, it gets a bit of stick. And I'm not going slightly off tangent, but I know it gets a little bit of stick. But the 100 for me um, is not for everyone, but for me, for someone's trying to promote and develop and, you know, infuse people to like enjoy cricket, it's massive, you know? I've worked in cricket now, you know, 10 years. And the last couple of years, people have known me to be, you know, cricket is chef's thing kind of stuff. Never, ever asked me to go to a, to a game, you know, or never asked me, how do I get into cricket? And only since the 100, because they started seeing it on BBC and started seeing it just being around on social media a bit more, promoted a bit more. Oh, what's this 100 stuff? Oh, there, there was a, a music artist there or there's, you know, the, the, the fireworks and, you know, it's just a bit different. And people are now inquiring it. So for me, it's not, I know the 100 is not for everyone, but for me, it's, it's been massive because people that have known me for a long period of time, no one that worked in cricket, have no interest to come to a game or want to know how they could get their children into it. I started asking those questions. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Shaping Champions podcast. Thank you again for listening. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Shaping Champions Podcast. Please do subscribe to us at wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you'd like to discuss anything with us, make any suggestions or offer up any guests that you'd like us to interview, please do contact us on any of our social channels or email us on shapingchampions at outlook.com. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, it's really interesting, man. Just following off the back of that, because um, because you mentioned football, Chevy. So I, I used to play quite a bit of cricket myself back in the day, and you know most people are like a they're a bowler or a batter. Yeah, yeah. I was neither. I was an average fielder at best. But um, I, I, you know, I tried. I yeah. was giving it the Shane Warne, the Gingan Googly, and all that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. You know what I mean? But um, I could never get it right. But I did love cricket and, um, you know, my interest in it kind of waned a little bit um, over the years, but sort of, and grew and grew more into football. But so sort of what I wanted to touch on was that back in my school days, we played a lot of sport. You know what I mean? We were encouraged to play a lot of sport. And it got me thinking, as we mentioned the football reference, about the Neville brothers and their sister who yeah, played a yeah, lot yeah. of cricket when they were coming up. And it just, um, it just sort of intrigued me to get your take on whether, you know, would you encourage young people to take up a variety of sports, including cricket, regardless of which sport they're particularly interested in? hundred percent. A hundred percent. That plays much sport as you can. Um, yes, it gets to a point, if you get to a certain level where you might have to specialise, but a lot of you can learn from loads of different sports. You can learn the different um, teamwork, how that different strategies. There, there might be ways that you can implement certain things you learn in one sport into another. You know, um, you often quite see. Um, I could reference uh, Owen Morgan, who you know played. There was an England captain, won the World Cup. Um, he played a lot of curling in Ireland, and 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 he was able to use 
those skills he learned with his wrist play to do some of some unorthodox shots in in cricket you know so there's there's many different learnings you can take um one of the, the greatest players you know of all time was um ab de villiers he played loads of different sports hockey tennis um cricket all to like a high level and you know there's certain things that you can take um from them and, and if you're playing if you're playing like say let's say a sport like uh tennis um boxing uh snooker all stuff where you're you're now playing it just a one-person sport you know but then if you play other sport team sports then there's a lot of the mindset that you can take the learnings from there you know because now if you're playing a single-minded sport you've got to think a certain way but now if you're back in a team how do you go into that team environment how does that work and you know there's so many different learnings you can get from playing sports. So 100% encourage, especially when you're young, you know, when you're, when you get older, it's, it's, they should listen to us older people because, you know, we can't play as many sports as we as once wanted to do, you know, our knees can't hack it as much. Um, so it's, it's crucial for people to play as much sport as they can while they're young. And who knows what they might fall in love with, you know, who knows where they might pop. They might have had their, their heart set on becoming a footballer. You know, a young girl might have had her heart set on being a footballer, but actually someone saw her and then there's a talent transitioning to become a netball player and it was able to succeed even more. Do you know what I mean? So um, play as many as many sports as you can and learn from them, you know, especially before you have to specialise in and, and dedicate your time to a little bit more one or the other. But yeah, as long as they, as long as people can, I'll definitely encourage them to play as many sports as possible because the base position, you know, it's the same, you know, hands and shoulders for part, knees slightly bent. You, know, you can't do that in every kind of sport. So, you you know, your agility and all those kind of things, your core strength, you need all of that in a lot of sports. So, you know, it, it helps, you know, it helps. Yeah, love that, man. And and just coming back to uh, cricket in Mahadeh, you know, when and I was watching sort of the Brian Laras of the world, that was, you know, he was would have been my cricketing hero, played for Warwickshire, my home county yeah. club. And, but also... There were, you know, there were several, um, uh, you know, uh, players of black or Caribbean origin playing for England. Gladstone Small, Devon Malcolm, Chris Lewis, Defreitas, all at that same time. There were a lot of, you know, and now I think like, I'm, you know, I struggle to, like Jofra Archer, yeah. Chris Jordan. The two, probably the only two I could think of. I'm sure you guys could think yeah, of anymore. Yeah. But I guess what I'm getting at is, do you feel like there are enough... Um, inspirational characters within the game to inspire young people of black heritage to come into cricket and also like have you been able to account for why there was such a dramatic decrease in numbers playing the sport yeah i pay as you can see over just over my shoulder there's big devon there in the, in the in the picture so i pay homage to him as like some of the other many greats you mentioned um yeah role models is big you know, and, and we often say that at the charity, um, you can't be what you can't see. And, uh, you know, part of the reason, I guess, for for Ebony kind of kicking off Ace was because of um, when Joffrey made like he's, but when he burst onto the scene, you know, she was like looking around and thinking, actually, like, where is the other players? Like, you know, just like you there. Oh, she was like, well, there's Joff doing his thing. He's come from via Barbie. DJ, he's come from Barbados. And then actually there's like a few, you know, there's many others, you know, we're quite thankful to, I think a lot of the black players at the moment playing in this country are ambassadors of ours. So there are a few others, but in terms of at the time of her thinking was like, well, where, where's the next, like, where's the pipeline of players coming through? And uh, the West Indies were, it's because this was back in 2019 when some of those talks were happening. West Indies were coming over here in 2020. Um, so it was a case of like, is there something we can do to try and reignite it? And, and Ace was kind of the thing that was thought of, and then it's just grown massively since then. Um, but you're right, we, you know, we, oft, we, we often say as well, um, we're trying to re-inspire a generation. You know, I talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, there's a 75% decline professionally. You know, a lot of those players you mentioned were playing across the 80s and 90s for a sustained period of time, you know, for the counties, for England, you know, high representation. And then, you know, then there's not, like nothing. There's, you know, been a big, a big drop off. And, you know, you, there's been a few, a few different maybe reasons why. And you, you look to, you look institutionally, you look systematically. Um, 
I look within the community itself. Um, there's so many different multi-facets that I think it could be put down to, you know, but some of the things I look, I look at is um, the structures within cricket in terms of the, how clubs are organised. So, you know, at a point there was a lot of Caribbean, predominantly Caribbean clubs, more than African clubs around. Um, now, a lot of those clubs didn't have their own ground. So if you don't have your own ground, you become like a wandering club. So you're always, you know, either playing away games or you're hiring facilities. And obviously that all comes at a cost. And then why I say you look at it um, systematically and the structure of things is, you know, uh, the ECB, you know, will put measures in for clubs that you need to get certain specific points of funding. You need to have a clubhouse, you need to do club mark, you need to be doing certain things. Now, if you don't have a ground, your own ground, you don't have a pavilion, you don't have, you're not in control of certain outside things, then you can't get the funding. So, you know, there's like structures in place, like for club mark, you have to have, uh, you have to have um, juniors. So even if you was a cricket club, you didn't have a junior section, you might not even be able to get certain bits of funding. And then what, what clubs are doing, so cricket was servicing cricket very well. So the clubs that already had money coming in, whether it's through their bar, whether it's through other external hires, you know, they're already established and sustained. And then they could get even more sustained by getting the funding. And the clubs that, you know, like predominantly a lot of the Caribbean clubs and teams, because they didn't have their own home, you can't make things sustainable. You can't grow a junior section if you don't have anywhere to play. Um, so those wandering clubs just wandered off, you know, most of them. So, you know, there's the structure of that. And, you know, you look at that, did, did those clubs kind of stop wander off because, you know, predominantly there was one or two people keeping it going for whatever, you know. But there's times where I look at, some people still involved in cricket from the Caribbean community and, you know, they'll often criticise county boards and they'll criticise ECB. And I'll say, well, you've got children similar to me. How come they've never played cricket? So there's times where I look within our own community because often there was a time where it was uh, the men are just going off to play cricket for the day, you know, food, drinks, have a great day. And, and they're, they're, you know, gone on a Saturday, come back late or maybe not even come back. And then play Sunday and then they're back again, you know, weekend's done. And they wouldn't necessarily encourage their their families to go with them or the kids to go with them. So, you know, there is there is that element to it, which I think some people neglect to try and bring up or don't want to bring up because the same people criticizing the establishment for putting these structures also played a part by not even encouraging their own families or relatives or kids to play. So, you know, it's easy just to blame on one side, but there's definitely blame on both. Chevy, um, <clears throat> I'm sure you've picked up that uh, Jimmy, from his accent, is from Brumsdale, Brumtown. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't necessarily say it was Brum, but I knew it was up north. <laughs> I've been spending a bit of time in Brum. We've got a programme in Birmingham as well. You must you know, have known what I was about to say to you. See, you, knew what was, you knew what was coming next. So, obviously, it's one thing to start the programme in London. And I'm just intrigued. Um, not many people know, but when my family came over here from Jamaica, we first lived in Birmingham. Uh, Jimmy, um, Jimmy, by the way, is a Birmingham fan, but we lived uh, in Selly Oak near, uh, Aston, near Aston Villa. Aston. Okay. <laughs> so so <laughs> uh, up until the age of eight, between the age of three and eight, I lived in Birmingham. And um, I'm just intrigued because Birmingham has such a... And Jimmy can speak on it more because he lives there, but Birmingham has such a strong Caribbean heritage and people of Caribbean heritage um, in, in Birmingham. And I often say it's, it's funny to me because I think people for, of Caribbean heritage in Birmingham are actually different. There's a very significant difference in how they carry themselves compared to people in London of Caribbean heritage. And unless you know the two, you may not pick up the nuances of, of the difference between the two communities. But... Um, I'm just intrigued to know is was Birmingham or is Birmingham similar to the kind of whether it be barriers or development programs you've faced as in London? And I guess extrapolating that further, because obviously you've got programs in Bristol and you've gone out further. Is it harder to within the field of cricket to shape a champion or an elite sports person? the further the further away you are from the centre of the country? Are there certain barriers that come in uh, because of that? Yeah, I think geographically, every area has its slight differences and nuances and challenges within it. There's always going to be, um, you know, those. So what I would say to a lot of the... I, I don't know Birmingham, 
I don't know Bristol like I know London. So I'm going off a lot of the local knowledge that my team up those areas have. And it's case hearing them listening to it. Okay, all right, why don't we try it this way? If you've done it all this way, this might work like this. Or, you know, and taking some of the learnings there just by listening to see what, what is on the ground. Like, uh, you know, and I talk about London. I know South London at the back of my hand, but I don't necessarily know North London. And the differences between those are, are huge. So, yeah, geographically, when you're talking about setting up programmes in in Birmingham, Bristol, Manchester, Sheffield and Nottingham that like we have now, we have the the core model of what we feel can work. Um, but we're also aware of some of those things that work well in some of these areas is not going to work at all, you know, just because of culturally how things are, are, are done differently. Um, but yeah, like the Birmingham programme, um, I love going up to the Birmingham programme. The Birmingham programme mostly runs out of Handsworth, um, and like Handsworth Park, Handsworth Cricket Club, you know, it's got like the... You know, one of my, if I can leave a, leave a legacy for Handsworth Cricket Club will be to try and get them a new pavilion because they've like got this oldest, old school shell of a, of a pavilion, but the, the, the community embrace it and um, it's, it's, it's massive. Like those, those Friday night sessions that happen there on the, throughout the summer at the Cricket Club, um, you know, the sense of community and belonging that it brings, you know, um, you know, we're lucky that we can able to bring people together just from uh, the playing side. The talent ID side, but also from the family side, like the network, you know, um, there's, you know, one of the families, they moved up from London to Birmingham, didn't really know anyone. And, and with the cricket element, they found a new community of people that they can now call upon in their local area. They didn't know necessarily was there. You know, we, we can provide hot meals for some of them, you know, because, you know, cost of living crisis for some, you know, it was hard to provide for family, but they know on the Friday down at the cricket club that everyone's getting a, a meal, a hot meal. So even the parents are getting a hot meal and the kids are getting a hot meal and their siblings are getting a hot meal. So it takes away those kind of things. That happens often a lot in, in the Birmingham programme. It doesn't actually happen in the London programme or, you know, that is a, a unique point of the Birmingham. That sense of family and community element is so strong there, um, how they're all in it together. And, you know, and partly maybe that is because of how it started. So in London, we just started with an academy. We just selected 24 kids, um, we had an old talent ID open day, 24 kids came, uh, 100 kids came, we selected 24. And then it was like, okay, this is what we're going to start off with. Um, we couldn't do that in, in Birmingham because it wasn't necessarily 100 kids coming to trial at a high level to play cricket from the African Caribbean community. So how that program started was more from the grassroots up, from schools program, those kids getting those golden tickets coming to the community program and those kids graduating into the, the academy. You know, a lot of those kids, you can map their journey in Birmingham they were located in the school that we went in and now they went to community lab and now they're in the academy. So that sense of belonging and the, how they are with the coaches and how the parents are of the coaches is, is huge. So yeah, each area is, is different and unique to itself. And, um, you know, I'm not just saying this because Jimmy's on the call and, and you grew up there, but no, the Birmingham program is, is special. And, you know, I think how far that came, you know, uh, very, that was the second area we went to and you know we just knew that you know there's a high population of the african caribbean community in birmingham and there's that that you know second was that second largest city. so we had to be there and had to be in it but it's like we're not across the whole city you know specifically a lot of it is around the um hansworth and aston area um, i'm sure jimmy may want to come in on that uh he'll give me a nod in a second but just before jimmy does come in um one last one for me actually um, and again, I think this is applicable across sports, but with your cricket hat on, head on. Um, let's say, hypothetics, you get somebody now, so they come for your ACE program and they go into the English county system off the back of the work they've done through the ACE program, right? So let's say, therefore, you've, you've shaped, you've shaped a champion in that sense, like they've gone yeah. further than they possibly would have done without the ACE program being there, because it's it's putting a scaffold that they may previously never have existed for them. What, and this is what I've written down, what are the, because then you've lost, you've lost them at that point, right? What are the key things that you feel that young person then needs to see in place for them to carry on and be successful, whatever that success looks like, but just let's say generically successful, on their journey now is it is that on the 
Is that on the county and the next system that picks them up? Or is that on the young person? And if you say it's on the county, what are the structures, support, care, scaffold that must come around that young person to make sure that they don't waste the work that you, do you get? Do you, do you get where yeah, 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 100%. And that's the, um, so we always get in a, at times, uh, a model of our thoughts as a program, as a charity, because, you know, there's times where we might often criticise the county pathway system and, and what that opportunities it provides for young people and where players might go within cricket. But at the same time, we need that for the players to elevate as well. So how we support a young person's journey is, is massive because we know there's certain flaws within that system, um, particularly for some of the young people from our programmes that we need to, need to help with. Um, so... We often thought at the beginning, the very outset of AC, we thought once we get kids into the county, we're never going to see them again. They're gone. But all the kids, because of the, I guess, the environment that we've been able to create, and this is not just from a, a London point of view, this is a national thing. We often talk about uh, ACE vibes, ACE family, like that feeling that we have go, runs through the program. The kids, even if they play for county, they still come back and play with us. They still train with us. They still wear the kit. There's still a sense of pride of, um wanting to be part of it so when these young people are in the program we have to support them in terms of how we can keep mentoring them you know some of the parents you know from the program might not know cricket or the details of cricket so sometimes you know coaches can say silly things like oh your your alignment is this and that and the other no just like you're just not and not everything is straight, you know, just because like, some people need to understand the simple in terms of, you know, let's not get too technical with the cricket stuff. And the parents honestly know that and some of the coaches know that. So for us, it's important that we're, you know, I've had to, I've sat in with um, some of our players when they're doing player review meetings with the, the counties, just so I can help. And this is what they mean by they're saying this, or this is what you need to work on. This is what that means, you know, because I've been in a round of performance environments from a county, from a national level. So, you know, we need to support everyone on that journey who gets there because they're going to be, uh, I guess, at times left to their own devices. They're going to be lonely. So a lot of the things that a lot of these young people would say, whether it was county, whether it was a club, they're like the only one, you know. So, you know, there's how they how they manage that being the only black kid or only mixed race kid in that, that session, you know, how that makes them feel. Whereas when they're ace, they're one of many, you know, and they can really, and we encourage it, you can really, like, we're creating an environment where you can truly be yourselves, you know, and express yourself without being judged. Whereas in a county environment, it's a bit different. There's that added pressure sometimes that the, the young player will feel, that their parents will feel. But for us, it's like we know if any high-performing person, they perform the best when they're, you know, they're relaxed, they're not stressed, you know, they're not, they don't, they don't put their added self-pressure on. So how do we help support that? And that is by keeping regular communication, whether it is with the players and the parents, whether it is with the coaches. Um, cricket's a small world, you know, like football would be a small world. You know, someone might say they know so-and-so or this coach, you know, between, you know, three or four people that you know, someone knows that person and can pick up the phone to them. So it's just having those honest conversations and whether that is an honest conversation of the players performing well or not performing well. You know, so if they're not performing well, tell them why. And I think sport is guilty and is failing many champions, you know, but this is a key part of shaping champions is having that honest, they go, you're at this level, to get to the next level where we think you are is X, Y, and Z. And that that's not often said. It's kind of just left, lurch, you know, even if you get dropped, it doesn't, you're not really told why of, you know, you know, using say a football analogy, you know, you're starting and now you're on the bench. And, that, and if that's nothing to do with injury, sometimes those conversations don't happen. And it's similar to cricket, you know, I was, you know, you're opening bowler, how comes I'm not opening bowl anymore? I, I was batting at three, now I'm batting low. And, and a lot of the time, those conversations aren't happening. And if, I wish they were, you know, and then we're talking about, we're in a space where we have to look after the player and the aftercare of that player because we're getting players that at times have been in a pathway and dropped out of pathway. So now we've got to manage that, you know, there was on a pathway for three, four years, um, maybe even longer, and then they get a generic email with a, a letter attached to it that everyone else gets saying, no, no longer in the programme, we'll keep looking at you. And that's it, you know. And that's where we have to help build some of that self-confidence back up and get them believing in themselves again to because a lot of these kids are talented and there's talent everywhere so it's just around having that holistic approach to the person and you know understand that every every player is different 
You know, how every player learns is different. Um, how they like to want feedback is different. You know, those cliches of some players want the arm around the shoulder. Some some players prefer being shouted at. You know, those just the two using two cliche examples. But it's right. Every player responds differently. And it's important that coaches, administrators involved see that. You know, yes, there's this is our style of play. This is what we want to do. But actually, Jimmy's going to learn that take on what I've said differently to mature, to match is taking it on differently. So, you know, uh, I take it on differently. You know, everyone learns in a different way and interprets it in a different way and allowing people to have the confidence to maybe ask a question um, and giving them that space to do that or giving them that space. Oh, you know what? Jimmy likes to reflect. So actually when I'm giving them this information, he might come to me at the end of the session and say, oh, Chef, what did you mean by that? And, you know, we can have that. It's, as oftentimes, uh, you know, you might get an approach of, oh, Jimmy, don't worry about it, mate. I'll speak to you next week. Got to go. Got to run off another session or what have you. So, you know, at times people forget the human side of, of sport and coaching to shape. Because you're, you're shaping champions on a, on a playing perspective, but you're shaping champions in the life perspective. And, and that's what sometimes gets neglected because you're building young people to become successful in all parts of life. And sport is a tool to do that. But, you know, I often live, look back at some of my own lived experiences. Some of my people I've aspired to were PE teachers, coaches that I've known that there's stuff I can go back in time to think of. I remember when so-and-so did that session and, you know, it's still days with you because that's the impact it had and you know, sometimes I think we forget the impact that we have as teachers facilitators coaches that we're having a young person's journey you know because kids are very impressionable they're learning they're taking it all in and uh, they will know if your if your session is bad or good or if you're there or not there for them so that the, the holistic side of things um shaping champions on and off the pitches is crucial I'm so glad you mentioned that Chevy because as you alluded to, you know, sport is such a powerful tool when it comes to shaping character, not just shaping champions, you know. And um, yeah, we should never underestimate uh, just how powerful it can be. But really amazing to hear that you're creating that kind of environment within the program as well. Because if I just kind of parallel it with football, because we've mentioned that sport a couple of times. Yeah you know, young players are thrust into an academy environment if they get offered a trial or whatever it might be. And that is a pressure cooker. You know what I mean? And that can crush yeah. people. Do you know what I mean? And it can have really long-lasting detrimental impacts on them. So, yeah, really amazing to hear that they're able to go on that journey with you guys. But just just to round off, um, you know, you mentioned kind of working in, from the Mecca and, and Hansworth yeah. in particular. The boring. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I know I know myself firsthand that, that Hansworth is an area that's densely populated with global majority ethnicities. So yeah. I'm really interested to know what what have you found in terms of the talent pool in those kind of areas, you know, in the cities that you're working in and, and are you encouraged by it? Very much so, very much so encouraged by the talent. And like I said, the Handsworth, like the, the session that runs out of there, like I said, it's got a, such a different feel to it in terms of some of the other areas because of a lot of those players have started their journey together, you know, from the community hub and now in the academy and their families. It's, it's got a real, a real sense of that community feel. And, you know, all our, all we're seeing in our community hubs in particular and solely in our academy now is, uh, how we'll be able to support all underrepresented groups, but reflective of that local community. So, you know, within that, you know, if I if I use to take it back to say London, our community obsession that we do out of the Oval, you've got black, white, Portuguese, South American. So it's it's reflective of the local community, and and that's what we're trying to replicate. Because you know, I've I've often joked and said if I can get one of these Portuguese kids that lives in Stockwell to to love Jason Roy more than uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, then I'm on to a winner. You know, I, I'm waiting for I'm waiting to have one of the first Portuguese kids that are going to make it in cricket. You know, I, I'm still determined to have that aspiration. Um, you know, from the local the local estate. You know, just by the oval, the young Portuguese kids. So you know, those those things are, are massive and like the, the, the that that Birmingham, Ace Birmingham is a special place. And you know, just over my shoulder, if I move like the camera bit, you can see like Davina Perrin, like she um she's a super talented young lady, like unbelievably talented. Um originally from Wolverhampton. Um 
But that shirt over my shoulder is her Birmingham Phoenix uh, shirt in the 100. You know, that was when she first signed just after her 16th birthday. She hasn't, she's been part of the, the 100 Birmingham Phoenix squad, you know, the last two years. Hasn't got on to play for various different reasons. But in terms of, you know, to go back to what other things we said about role models, like she's a massive role model for the young kids that go there because she came to that ace Birmingham. Now, there's nothing that Ace Burm, that Ace is Bur- in Birmingham and Ace as a, a charity has done for her in terms of uh, a playing perspective. You know, she's already highly talented when she came to us. She, you know, um, you know, she's already playing now. She's now playing for like uh, England under 19s and stuff. But what we can say Ace has supported her with and her family is that holistic side that we were just talking about. The 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 mentoring side that the you know she can call upon me she can call upon Ebony she can call upon Ebony's lived experiences of her journey through cricket playing for England and stuff like that so you know that sense of community and feel is is huge and um, using her as a role model um, is massive and when like earlier in the summer she went down to she used to go to those same Friday sessions at Handsworth. And she came back at the, near the start of the in, in July, end of July, early August. Came back in her Birmingham Phoenix kit, and all the kids and all the parents are like, "Oh, it's the, like it's Davina." Like so, you know, a couple of years ago they were just running around playing with her, and now they've seen her on a platform, you know, representing Birmingham Phoenix. But they can relate to her, you know. And it's the more things we can do like that, where you can bring your role models closer to the young people, the better. And I know it's easier said than done, but you know, the more we can encourage doing that is is, is massive. So yeah, and no, I big up Birmingham. You know, I, I, I got a good. I got, always get always get looked after. When I go go up to Birmingham. Always get looked after. Hey hey hey! Big up, bro. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> no, hundred yeah, percent. Brummy and, and and the energy up. Uh, any, I guess the energy outside of anywhere out of London is different as well. It's a lot more friendly, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, and as a London, when you go out of out of the ends and out of different parts, you know, you're often shocked when someone says hello or smiles at you. You know, it's not really the norm. Um, but now, Birmingham, very, very, very good experiences in Birmingham. It's good to hear, man. Absolutely, and I mean, I'm sure Mash is is, is going to concur on this one, but. This has been such an uplifting conversation for me. It's really given me a boost, man. You know, it's just it's just fantastic to speak to someone who is so passionate about their work and is doing really good work that's embedded in the community and is spearheading what is a an incredible project and program. And uh, yeah, man, just so so grateful that you came on, Chevy, and thanks so much for your time, man. It's been brilliant. No, thank you. And you know, the, the, all I want to get across to people is that you know I've said it publicly before I would have been an ace kid state school kid had a bit of talent for cricket played on the county pathway did I get some of the, the equals opportunities that I thought nah, yes no um was I good enough probably not but a program like this would have helped me so for me I'm just trying to help young people that grew up in areas that I grew up in you know um the same the same experiences you know me and my white mates Asian mates black mates all playing cricket together in communities that maybe wasn't for us to be playing and I just want to give back and give the opportunities for and, and who knows where someone could go and so if Ace touches any young person and their journey goes on to be anything it might not even be within cricket but they can say you know what I remember when I went to an Ace session and it inspired me to do whatever X, Y and Z and, and hopefully my passion goes across to my team's passion and it goes across to the young people and then hopefully we'll see some you know opportunities created for many young people you know cricket has a Cricket's in an interesting space with the ICC report and everything that came out, and hopefully we can be a part of that that change uh, for the better. Uh, and we're on a we're on a good path. There's more things we can do better and improve on. So once we do that, we'll take over the world. <laughs> I say that. take over the world, but I'm looking to take over West Indies one day. I'll be honest. <laughs> I need to help. I need to help the West Indies. I need to help them. We need to get a program. We need to get Ace Ace West Indies. You know, someone give me some money over there. Listen, we'll have that conversation. Before. <laughs> but um, listen, Chevy, like Jim, like um, Jimmy said, Jimmy said right at the start something which I thought actually summed it summed up the episode even before we'd even rec- properly recorded it, which is that you can totally see why you were picked as the person for the, <laughs> for the job. Like I, I know we spoke before, but like your your energy comes through so clearly and your passion, and I think. And I don't just say this for saying this sake. If a lot of 
sports institutions or institutions in general that work around young people and are, have a level of responsibility for taking them on a journey to make them successful in whatever medium or form, if they had your energy and they had your passion, I think we'd have a lot more success stories in general. So, so yeah, no, thank you so much. It for coming means a lot on, from both of you, man. It means a lot from both of you. Thanks again just for creating awareness for myself, but also creating awareness for Ace. You know, the more the more people can hear about it, the more uh, interactions we can get. And, you know, if anyone's listening and they want to get engaged with our program, you know, there's more there's more than opportunities to do it. And that, we're national now, so it's not just, can't just say it's only London and we've got Big <laughs> Bram in the, in the place too. <laughs> well, that's been another episode of Shaping Champions with myself, Jimmy Davis, my brother, Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt, and many, many thanks to our guest uh, this, this episode, Chevy Green. You can find out all the details you need to below in the description. Anything you want to find out about the ACE program or if you want to get in contact with Chevy, we'll put all the details down there. All of the links to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us on or watching us on. Please do subscribe to us, comment, like, share, all that good stuff, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.